0: Welcome to Light Church. We're so glad you could join us for this weekly message. We hope this message leaves you feeling inspired and equipped to be all that you were made to be. Hey, welcome to our virtual gathering and congratulations for surviving 100 days of lockdown. I know it's been a real difficult time for a lot of people uh, and a real strange time, but we hope this morning uh, this message finds you well. And uh, we're so excited and honored to be spending these few moments together. We're going to be carrying on our series in the book of Nehemiah. And uh, Holly kicked us off amazingly last week um, with the first part of the story of Nehemiah. And uh, I'm going to be jumping in this morning and I'm so excited. I think this passage has so much for us. Uh, so if this is your first time, I hope you feel ho- at home and I hope you feel welcome. I want you to know that you are amongst family and uh, it's just so good that we can gather like this. So if you have a Bible, would you turn to Nehemiah chapter 2 and we're going to read from verse 1 through to verse 10. If you don't have a Bible, it's all good. I'm going to be reading it out. So it says, In the month of Nisan... In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Verse 4, the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked him, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make the beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Sanballat the the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. This is an amazing passage and I want to jump into this this morning. But I want to to speak to us this morning from this idea, it is now or never. It's now or never. Let's pray together. Father God, I want to thank you for this time we have together. I thank you for who you are, that you are a God that cares about us, that you are a God that wants to be in our lives, that you desire a relationship with us. God, I thank you this morning that you are present in every home watching this right now. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that your presence would fall. That there would be such a spirit of peace and openness. That as we look forward as a church, as we open our Bibles, as we open our hearts as individuals, God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. We don't want to settle for just mere intellect or inspiration. God, we just want to be transformed from the inside out. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, in in your life you could look back at times and you may be able to recognize a couple of sort of pivotal times in your life where you've heard yourself say this phrase, it is now or never. Like this could be about big things in your life, it could be uh, maybe a decision you had to make and you didn't have a whole lot of time to make it and you knew that you had to make that decision, it's now or never. Uh, or whether it was, you know, like a real big life decision, like maybe you had to move house or start a new job. or And the time came and you knew it was now or never. I was, um, just last weekend, a group of us went into the Lake District uh, to go and jump off some rocks into, you know, this big wide open uh, pool into this kind of quarry. And, and it was the craziest experience and the quarry was huge and the water was really, really deep. And uh, there was a moment where we were climbing up one of the sides to see how high we could get to see if we could jump in and it was absolutely tipping it down. And there was this moment uh, where me and two of my friends, we were stood on this very precarious uh, little cliff face. We weren't able to stand up too straight, but there was a moment where like either we were to jump or we were to fall. It was kind of this now or never moment. I knew that if I stood there for much longer, we were going to end up slipping and probably really hurting ourselves. It was this moment where I was like, "It is now or never." And I think this idea in our life actually comes up a lot more than we realize. Again, in huge ways, you know, big life-altering decisions, or even these little decisions when we're in a conversation with someone. Just like me on that rock, where I knew, like, "Oh, this is not going to go well if I don't do anything." I just have to do it. Like we find ourselves, you, you might find yourself in a conversation, you know, I just really need to say something. You know, the last couple of weeks we've been looking at racism and this has been one, hasn't it? When, when we hear a conversation pop up and we know in the back of our heads, like, I should really say something. It's kind of this now or never moment. And the funny thing is, is this is exactly where Nehemiah finds himself in this passage. So last week, For a little bit of context, Holly painted this picture of Nehemiah, who was one of the exiles of Jerusalem. So he'd been like exiled from where he was, where his birthplace was, where his ancestors were. And he finds out that actually Jerusalem had been overrun. The gates had been uh, burned. The the temple had been like messed up. Everything had just been destroyed. And it was kind of like an embarrassing, shameful act to... um, for people to know that you are from a, a city that was is lying in ruins. He was one of the exiles. And, um, and Nehemiah finds out about what had happened and he was moved. And he began to pray and fast and mourn and just seek God. And he had this, this burning desire for to do something about this. Holly's message last week was somebody should really do something about that. And Holly talked about this idea of... Uh, the times in our lives when we, hit, when we find ourselves saying someone should really do something about that are often the times that God is calling us to be the person that does something about it. So we saw this picture of Nehemiah. He's seeking God. He's really feeling like, I think I have a role to play in this, of this rebuilding of Jerusalem. And it ends in uh, chapter 1 where it says, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. Now, a little bit of context. The cupbearer was uh, very personal to the king the king had to trust his cupbearer. It was kind of an honorary position, very, very honorable, um, but he essentially was a servant, like he was an exile of Jerusalem. Now, Artaxerxes was uh, like the king of Persia, a big, big empire, very powerful, very, very scary, like, you know, would have completely terrified enemies, very, very scary man. And being the cupbearer, What you had to do is you would have to pour the king's wine, you would have had to taste the king's wine because one of the ways that people would try and assassinate kings was to poison the wine. So the cupbearer was there to essentially take the bullet for the king in in one of those circumstances. So the cupbearer was a very sort of intimate role with the king, like the king's life was on the line uh, of this servant. And obviously, when the the king would be relaxing and eating and and drinking and just being in his own close quarters, the cupbearer would would have been there. So they would have developed quite a personal relationship. And so we find this this story of Nehemiah. He hears about Jerusalem. He's seeking God. And then we see this process that Nehemiah goes through. And there's kind of three themes or three stages of this process that I wanna speak into this morning because I think this can really speak into our situation personally and as a church. And I think we can learn a lot from this. And these are the three processes. If you're taking notes, it's the inner preparation, the outer preparation, and the onward provision. These are kind of the three themes we see in the passage I just read out. Chapter two, verses one to 10. The inner preparation, the outer preparation, and the onward provision. So let's jump into this. The inner preparation. Let's start here. In verse 1, it says, In the month of Nisan in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. Now, we can just skip right over that, couldn't we? We could read it and we think, okay, sweet. In the month of Nisan. Sounds like a car. I've never heard of it. Well, so the the month of Nisan is actually four months after the month of Kislev. Now, month of Kislev, we learned in chapter 1, was the month that Nehemiah hears about Jerusalem. So it was four months that it took for Nehemiah to hear about Jerusalem. He prayed and he, he just was seeking God. And he was, it was this inner preparation period. Nehemiah like, had to go through a period where he was just seeking God. He was, he was mourning for Jerusalem. He was contending for Jerusalem. Now, we live in a culture, don't we, where I see this so often that people have these amazing business ideas. And as soon as they have the business idea, there's a website for it. There's an Instagram page for it. There's loads of stuff around it before anything has ever been sold or before anything has ever been set up. It's public. It's this big idea. Like we we see this happening. But with Nehemiah, what happened is, is he heard about the problem. He was moved deeply with compassion. I have to do something about this. And then four months go by where he doesn't do a single thing. He's just seeking God. He's just laying it before God. He, he's, he's praying. He's contending. Like we see this time where nothing changes on the outside. No, no actions are done. There are no, no plans put in place. Nothing is like set in motion. He's just thinking and praying and meditating and contemplating. It's like. The lesson in this, what is it we can learn from this, is I want to like echo something Holly said last week. God has to work in you before he will work with you. God has to change stuff inside of you before he will use you to change stuff around you. And I think this is such a profound point for us to realize. Because so many of us may feel moved or may feel inspired or even called... To see change or to be part of a change, whether this is on a macro level, like we want to see the end of human trafficking or whether that's something God's put on your heart or I want to see the music industry. I want to see the Holy Spirit moving in the music industry or whatever it might be for you. You might feel this big burden to do something and the first thing you do is, right, I need to get busy. I need to make contacts. I need to make changes. I need to, you know, get all these people together. I need to start raising money. I need to start doing this stuff. But Nehemiah understood that actually the very first thing he needed to do before raising the money, before going through the plans, before gathering the people. In fact, he doesn't even share what's going on until later on in like verse 17, before he'd even made it to Jerusalem. He doesn't even share it. Like he holds it tight to his chest. Why? Because he knows that God had to work in him before God used him to work through him. I think in your life right now, you might find yourself in a place where maybe God has given you a dream or God has put something on your shoulders or God is, is has put this, this thing that is wrong. He's put a desire for you to see justice or to right a wrong that you can see. And maybe you're sat there frustrated thinking like, oh, but I just want to get going. I just want it to happen. I, I want to start the charity. I want to start the business. I, I need to change this. I need to start making some ripples. Can I just encourage you that the very best thing you can do right now is to seek God with everything. Is to not hold these cards so uh, tight in our hands thinking that it's only us that's going to that's gonna make this change. Nehemiah knew that the real power came from God. It was God that moved him in the first place. So he spent four months on his knees before God. The inner preparation period is not one that we should overlook. Why? Jesus went through it himself. Jesus was 30 when he started his public ministry. 30. He prepared for 30 years for a ministry of three years. Take that into account. Think about it. The deeper the roots of a tree grow, the higher the tree can grow. So if we want to grow tall as people, we first need to understand that we need to grow deep, as people. If we want to grow tall, we need to grow deep. Now, Jesus in John chapter 2, there was this moment where his mother said, look, like we're at this wedding. The wine's kind of run out. You know the story. The wine's running out. What are we going to do? Hey, Jesus, like, could you not do something? And what does Jesus say? Hey, my hour has not come yet. In other words, this isn't the time Now he ends up doing it. He ends up going through. It's a very sort of calculated, small group of people. But if you look at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, he is so careful about who finds out because he doesn't want word of this spreading too far. Why? My hour has not yet come. In fact, a couple of chapters later in John chapter 7, Jesus turns to his disciples and says, Look, you guys go on to the feast without me. Why? Because my appointed time has not yet come. Things were starting to happen. And for God, timing is so important. If you find yourself in a season right now of preparation, can I encourage you to do not underestimate the time of preparation. If you want to be used by God, allow Him to change you from the inside out. Allow Him to work in you. How do we apply this? If you're in this position right now, Can I encourage you to pray that simple prayer? God, what is it you need to do in me? Go through the uncomfortable rhythms of changing things. You might need to change some mindsets. You might need to change some behaviors. You might need to change some habits. God needs to work in you before he works with you. This was Nehemiah's inner preparation. He spent four months. God was working on the inside. Then we get to the outer preparation. Now this... This is an interesting step, okay? This, I want to read two verses here. So I want to read from verse two. It says, So the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? Like you could ask some people that couldn't you? Like why the long face? What's going on? You're not so sick. Lighten up. The king says to Nehemiah, Hey, what's going on? Like your face looks like something drastically wrong has happened here. What's going on? You're not ill. You're good. What's happening? And it says, This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And then Nehemiah says, I was very much afraid. In other words, I was terrified because this is the moment. The outer preparation. So there's this weird gap in between where we know we're being prepared for something. And then when we're doing what we're prepared to do, there's this little gap in the middle that requires boldness, requires confidence. It's a kind of now or never moment. And this is exactly where Nehemiah is. The king says, why does your face look so sad? Then in verse 4 and 5, the king says, what is it you want? Go on, what, what, what's on your mind? Like, Nehemiah is there. This is one of the most powerful kings. And he's saying, look, you, there's something up with you. Like, I see you every day. Something's wrong. And Nehemiah, he says... Oh, look, may the king live forever. This is kind of like an honorary statement. It is, it is just kind of saying like, it's like a greeting they would use. It's kind of wishing someone well, wishing the king well. And then what happens? It says, the king says to me, what is it you want? Nehemiah says, then I pray to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. This is the now or never moment. The king says, what is it you want? In that moment, Nehemiah had been prepared. He knew what he wanted to do. He knew what he had to do. But it was kind of hanging on this moment. Imagine if if Nehemiah thought, you know, if I tell him what I want, there's so many implications here because he's the king of Persia. Now, historically, Jerusalem resisted the Persian rule. In fact, the nation was actually very resistant to the rule of the Persians. They were a problem for the Persians. Now imagine going to the king and saying, Hey, I need to rebuild that very thing that, that your ancestors have despised. I want to go and, and, and rebuild it into what I know it can be. I want it to, to be rebuilt. Why? Because God has called me to do this. And if God has called me to do it, it means that God is not finished with it yet. And if he's not finished with it yet, that is going to cause you a problem. So there was implications, political implications for this. Nehemiah knew that the king could snap his fingers and have him beheaded on the spot. The king says, what is it you want? He would obviously built a rapport with the king. So Nehemiah, he does something interesting. He doesn't just blur it out. I want to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. He knew this was his now or never. And it says, then I prayed to the God of heaven. Now, this wasn't one of those prayers where he was like, King, give me three days and I shall give you thy answer. This was nothing to do with that. This was a, Jesus, please help me. This was a, okay, God, I really really need you right now. You know, have you ever prayed one of those prayers where you know you're about to go into an interview or, or something big is about to happen and you just pray one of those prayers like, oh, I really hope you're with me on this one. You know, I've been there many times myself, where I'm just under my breath. It's like, Jesus, I really need you. He prayed to the God of heaven. And then he basically says, I want to rebuild the city of my ancestors. Now, he's a smart guy. He does not say, I want to rebuild Jerusalem, because that would have had huge connotations. He says, I want to rebuild the city of my ancestors in Judah. Okay, so now like, we know what that is. He knows what that is, and later on we see where where Nehemiah travels. But the king says, what do you want? He says, look, I want to go rebuild uh, all that has been ruined. If I find favor in your sight, if it's pleasing to you, can I go and do this? Nehemiah didn't give him some weird diluted like half answer, like he was scared. No, this took boldness. This was what he was going to take between what he was prepared to do, what he knew he was called to go to, This was the moment. What's the lesson for us in this? God will not force you into opportunities. God will not push you. He he will not force your hand. He's going to require a step of boldness. He's going to ask you to step out. In your life right now, maybe you're sat in a place where you know you are facing a now or never situation. You're facing a situation in your life where, you know, I know God has prepared me for this. I know this is the moment, but I just don't feel like I can do it. I've fallen short. There are so many reasons why Nehemiah would have justifiably been able to go, King, I'm just sad because I've heard a few things about my hometown. It's all good. Don't worry. But don't worry yourself, King. I'll figure it out. What did he do? He looked the king in the eyes and boldly asked for what he knew he wanted. He was bold bold Are there some situations in your life right now? Are there some now or never moments that are on your plate? They could be now or never moments for like like I said starting a business, starting a family, uh, buying a house, uh, opening a charity or you know starting a new job, whatever it might be. Or it could be a now or never moment. Maybe there is a, an addiction that you are facing. Maybe there is a situation that is negative in your life and you know it is now or never. I'm either going to beat this right now or this thing is going to take me to my grave. Whatever the now or never moment is, doesn't matter. It requires boldness. What is it that God is asking you to be bold? It is He asking you to step out. He will never force you into it. He requires you to step into it. Let's look at this. Matthew 14, there's this beautiful picture. The disciples of Jesus are on a boat. There's a, this crazy situation where they see a man walking on the water. The man walks closer to him and they see it's Jesus. And Peter calls out, Jesus, if it's you, I want you to call me out. And in these very simple words, Jesus says, come. Jesus didn't get Peter in a headlock and drag him out onto the water and be like, Hi, you can walk on water now. He just stood on the water and said, Peter, step out into the unknown. Have a step of faith. Take a step of faith. Be bold. Step into a place that may not make sense. But according to what? The word of God. According to that word. Just come. Come to me, Peter. Peter. Peter was able to step out of the boat. And he began to sink in the water. Why? Because he started to look at everything else around him. He lost sight of the one who called him to it. You know, Nehemiah was in this this position where God had called him to something. God had moved in him. him. And there was a moment where God says, it's now or never. This is your moment. God isn't going to drag you into this. God isn't going to push Nehemiah into this place. He, he, he didn't say to him, hey, Nehemiah, you are going to do this. He said, it's now or never, Nehemiah looked at the king and said exactly what he needed to say. This was the outer preparation. How do we apply this? Is there an area in your life that you are shying away from? It is that that decision that you just aren't making, you know you need to make it. As I'm speaking right now, there are things flying through your head. You are making justifications as to why you should not do it. Oh, it might might cost me this or it might change that or I might get ridiculed for it. It might end up costing me my savings or it might end up putting me in a really difficult position with friends or family or workplace or whatever it is. Whatever that is you are trying to justify right now. You are in a period of the outer preparation where God has prepared you for something. Now he has handed it over and said, it's time to step out. What areas do you need to step out in your life right now? Us as a church, we've been prepared for things. God has, has been moving us into a place and there will be a time coming in our journey where we will have to say it's time to step out. And are we going to be the church that just starts to justify why we should oh, it might cost us a bit too much money or it might make some serious ripples in the community or it might upset some people. Or we will be a church that straightens up our jacket and says, you know what, God has called us to this and this is what we want and we will not back down, we will be bold. We will run into what God God has for us. I pray that we are that church. I pray that we are those people. The inner preparation where God worked on Nehemiah, where God works on us before he calls us into something. The outer preparation, where that, that inner preparation comes to a head, where it comes to a place where it's a now or never moment. Then we have the onward provision the onward provision let's look at this so in verse 9 it says that the king had also sent army officers officers and cavalry with me now what does this mean so let's just track through the story just real quick so Nehemiah says i want to go and rebuild and the king the king just essentially says okay well how long will it take you now Nehemiah obviously had a plan he obviously didn't go there empty handed and and he gives them the time frame and then it doesn't stop there. So Nehemiah said in verse six, "I set a time." So I set how long it would take, and then he goes on. So the king would have been like, "Okay, yeah, I'll give you this this time off to go and rebuild." Is that all? And then Nehemiah, again bold. Well, actually, King, there is there is one more thing. Could you actually write a letter? So this is the king of the Persians, the Persian empire. a king, the most feared one, the, the absolute brutal, you know, crazy, terrifying king. Can you write me a letter that will allow me safe passage through all of the places that would actually seek to destroy me as I make my way to where I'm supposed to be? Can you grant me safe passage? The king writes the letter. He gives him the letter to pass to the people to allow him safe passage. But not just that, he also then goes a step further and says, but well, actually, could you also write a, a letter to the keeper of the royal, the royal forest where they would grow all these big trees to be used as timber to build? Because if you had control of the resources, you could control infrastructure and you could control, control the way things developed in the certain places. You just had more control as a king. And the king grants this request of Nehemiah. He gives him a letter so he could go and reclaim all of this timber. So he had passage. He had provisions. And then what does it say in verse 9? That the king sent army officers and a cavalry. Nehemiah didn't even ask for this. So Nehemiah asked if he could go on and, you know, set up and rebuild the the city of his ancestors. And then he says, oh, can I have this stuff off the king? And the king grants him provisions passage and protection i think this is incredible we can learn so much from this this is a beautiful mirror see god can work in whatever way he wants and he can do he can do anything if he's asked you to do it he will equip you to do it Think about that for a second. The very thing that you're just like really worried—how's this going to happen? This justification oh, it's going to hurt. It's going to change stuff. If God has asked you to do it, He will equip you to do it, and He will work in ways that are so mysterious to you. Like the king of the Persians, who who like had this completely uh, like contentious past with Jerusalem, provided Nehemiah the safe passage. He he provided him with the provisions to rebuild and protection to ensure that he would get there. Think about that for a second. In your life right now, if God has called you to something, he will equip you to see it through. He will equip you with safe passage. Now, it doesn't mean it will be easy, but there will be a royal seal on your shoulders. That as you go along your path, God will make it so that he will get you to the place that you need to be. Now, I'm not talking like prosperity gospel. I'm not talking like your specific career out of here. That is not what I mean. Let me read a passage from Philippians 4.19. It says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Let's hold up for a second. And my God will meet all your needs. This sounds amazing, doesn't it? We could take this. Oh, God will meet all my needs. Well, you know what? I need a Lamborghini. Hey, I, I need a mansion. Oh, I, I just want people to see that God is good. You know, I need, I need this. I need some more money. I need, a, I need a better job and all this stuff. You know, but that's not what it says. It says, And my God will meet your needs according to the riches of what His glory. In what? In Christ Jesus. So if God has called you to it, if it's in His will, then He will meet all of the needs, all of your needs to enable you to fulfill it. This is not just God is some, you know, like wish granter. Oh yeah, give God your shopping list. No, if God has called you to something, He will equip you to do that job. Whatever that may be, that might be raising a family, God will equip you with what you need to raise your family in ways that He knows what you need. So often there's things we want, but God knows what we need. Are we okay to give God that perspective and say, God, look, there's things I think I need, but it's over to you. What is it you think I need? Equip me for the call and you've put on my shoulders. Nehemiah is granted far more than he ever asked for. They're not by you, but... I'm so thankful for a God that blesses us with far more than we ever ask or imagine. According to his will, according to his glory, for his glory. In your life right now, you might be in one of those now or never moments and you just feel like, I don't think I have the resource to be able to do this. I don't think I even have the opportunity to get to where I need to be. Well, God will bless you with far more than you can even ask or imagine to enable you to do his will. He wants to work through you. Let's not let resource stop us from stepping into what God has for us. You know, we find ourselves right there as a church. We we are a church that has just been blessed with so many amazing things. And God is calling us into a vibrant future. God is calling us into a place where we can only do what he wants us to do through him. It's his will. It's his power. I want to encourage us as a church. Now, let us not limit God by playing small. But God, I only have this in my hand and I don't think I can do anything. Well, the God I serve is the one that took a little boy's packed lunch and fed 5,000 people with it. That's the God that I serve. Why? Because the little boy just knew that God could do something with it. That this guy who claimed to be this miracle worker could take the little he had. It with his availability. God, take what I've got and do something amazing with it. Take who I am, my brokenness, my pain, and do something incredible with it. That's the God that we serve. Let's not limit him by just looking at our resources. Let's say, God, in spite of my resources, come and do something amazing. I wonder, do you need to trust God with some things in your life? Trust God with some provisions. Maybe these provisions, the worry of resource, the worry of how it's going to happen or or the protection that you need. God, I'm going to get ripped apart. Maybe they've been the reasons that you've actually been avoiding this now or never moment. You've been playing it safe because you just don't feel like you have what it takes. Well, a little bit of a newsflash. You don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. This church does not have what it takes to be all it's supposed to be. But that's the point. Paul says in the Bible here that I boast in my weakness. Why? Because God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. We don't have what it takes, but we know the one who can make it happen. In your life right now, let's not back down from the now or never moments. Let's step up in the now or never moments because we are bold and we are confident that God will come through for us. There are so many levels to this passage. We see these three themes, this, this transition of Nehemiah, the inner preparation, the outer preparation, the onward provision. You we can relate to Nehemiah in this. We can learn from Nehemiah in this. We can go through that very same process. But I also think there are levels to the Bible. I think we can learn from other perspectives of this. Of this because actually, the story of Nehemiah is a beautiful parallel for the gospel of Jesus. The very the central part of our faith being the cross of Jesus. Our faith exists around what Jesus did on the cross for us. That we are sinners, that we are broken, that we cannot make our way back to who we are supposed to be, who we are created to be. It took someone to come and take it upon themselves to rebuild. We are Jerusalem. In so many more ways than just one. We are the image of Jerusalem. A broken down, burnt, tired, shamed city. In ruins. I don't know if you can relate to that this morning. Maybe you just feel like in your life right now in a very physical way that you are on your knees, that you have hit rock bottom, that you cannot go on anymore. How can life ever get better than this? You find yourself in this state of brokenness. Or maybe you feel like you have it all together. And this morning I'm here to tell you that we are all broken. We are all sinners in desperate need of a saviour. I think it's Tozer that says, we are great sinners, but God is a great savior. I think this morning, we need to understand that we are Jerusalem, broken down. We have been caught in a place where we cannot be who we were made to be. And then Jesus, sent from the Father, came down in this preparation period, lived a perfect human life. He poured himself out of all divinity. He existed as fully man and fully God lived this perfect life and went to the cross. And upon that cross, he took your sin. He took your shame. He took your brokenness. And three days later, he walked out of a grave and rebuilt us to who we were made to be. And all it takes is for us to accept that we are sinners and accept what he did on the cross for us. And we can be who we were made to be. We can be restored back into relationship with the Father. This message was called, Now or Never. You know, when we make these decisions where it's either now or never. But you see, when Jesus was on this earth, when it came time for Him to die on the cross, it was not a now or never moment. It was a now and forever moment. What Jesus did on the cross was not just a momentary, historically bounding thing. It was something that absolutely shifted the paradigm of humanity, that sent ripples out through eternity, that changed humanity for eternity. We now have a way to get back to God. What Jesus did was now and forever. The Christian life offers a now and it offers a forever. It offers a reality and it offers an eternity. The Christian life offers purpose and freedom and wholeness now. And it offers hope for eternity. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And are we thankful that as we stand broken and ruined, that Jesus loved us enough to sacrifice himself, to put himself on the line to rebuild us. This morning, I've got two calls, two two opportunities, two challenges, two things I want to, to really encourage you to do. The first one is to maybe to relate to one of those themes or one of those levels. Maybe you find yourself in the inner preparation period. And my call for you is to not underestimate what God wants to do in you before he starts to work through you. Maybe you find yourself in that now or never moment. You're facing something that is going to require boldness and courage. Take the step. Know that God is behind you. Step into what he's called you to do. Or maybe you're about to step into the now or never moment, but you're worried about the onward provision. Well, our God is a provider. He will provide everything you need according to his riches for his glory through Jesus. If, if that's you this morning, this is your moment. This is your day. This is your now or never. This very moment right now is a now or never moment. If it's not now, when will it be? Let's make this step as individuals. Let's make this step as a church, now or never. Or maybe you've sat here this morning and you've never heard of this Jesus before. You've never heard of this life giving sacrificial love and it's time for you to meet him. It's time for you to recognize that you are Jerusalem. You are this broken down in need of a savior. And you want to accept what Jesus did for your life. That he paid for your sin. I want to encourage you this morning to respond. This is your now or never moment. This is your now and forever moment. That God would do something in you to remove that guilt off your shoulders. Of that thing that you did. Last weekend or that thing that you have done in your life that you thought was irreparable. The person that you've become that you thought was unsalvageable. Irrestorable. And you want to let the great Redeemer walk into your life this morning. Pray this simple prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my hope. I give you my future. I give you my family, my eternity. Jesus, I give you my life. And he will flood your life with such purpose and hope and restorative love that will change your life forever. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for who you are, God. I thank you that you love us so much that you would come after us to rebuild us, to restore us. That you did not look at us as a broken, ruined thing that you saw us for exactly what you made us to be. God, I thank you that you are the great redeemer, that you redeem all that is broken, all that is lost, as long as it is given to you. God, we just thank you this morning for these now or never moments. God, I pray for just a spirit of boldness to rise up in Light Church right now. A spirit of boldness to know that you are the great provider. That you've been preparing us for something for a long, long time. And our moment is coming. God, I pray that we would not be spineless and we would not back down from what you've called us to do. God, let us not be afraid of resource or afraid of protection or afraid of safe passage. God, let us run into all that you've called for us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we've loved spending these few moments with you at our virtual gathering. We absolutely um, love spending this time every single week. And uh, If you made that decision for the first time to accept Jesus into your life, we are so excited for you. This moment will change your life forever. We're excited. We want to celebrate with you, but we want to do this journey with you. Please get in touch. Dan and Grace will jump on in a few moments and help walk you through what this could look like. We've absolutely loved having you together and uh, we hope that you're safe. We hope you're well. I encourage you, get connected in. We want to do life together. Uh, We love you. We're praying for you and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to a weekly message from Light Church. If you would like any more information, you can find us online or on social media.